Hey, Jason. Yes, Dave. What's red and bad for your teeth? I don't know. A brick. <laughs> <laughs> Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. We are here with Cortez Alexander, last seen on Broadway in the Tony Award-winning special event Liza at the Palace. Cortez Alexander's critically acclaimed debut CD, Swell, is available on iTunes and all online retail outlets. His club act, The Swell Show, continues to sell out and was recently voted Best Night Out by LA Nightlife Magazine. A veteran of over 100 TV commercials, this award-winning singer-songwriter is also a five-time men's 4.0 singles champion at the Toluca Lake Tennis Club. Please welcome Cortez Alexander. All right. I'm like the gallery (laughs) applauding right now. (laughs) Got a sports champion and a vocal champion. All right. I'm digging it. That's funny. Well, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, We're we're stoked to have you here. So uh, let's get a little bit of background on uh, how you started in music and then kind of take us through maybe some of your earlier earlier performances and we'll we'll go from there. Okay. Um, I was a piano major at uh, Juilliard when I was 13. Wow. And my whole family moved from California to New York so I could do that, but it was not for me at all. It was just way too intense, and there were so many other kids that were younger and better and way more dedicated to that world of classical music than I could ever be. So I was probably there about six minutes before I was please, parents, let me not do this anymore. I can't stand it. It's terrible. So I stopped playing piano. Uh, for a couple of years, but then in high school, I went to a high school that they where they would arrange your extracurricular activities around uh, your your academic life around what you were doing outside of school. So there were a lot of kids that were in Broadway shows that were auditioning for stuff and you know doing all their this other life. And so I started playing piano for them and playing for their auditions, and that's kind of how I got back into it. I sort of just through the back door, just found a way to sort of keep music in my life and. I started doing arrangements for my friends' auditions, and then I would show them what to sing it like this, try it like this, and then people were like, "Oh, you know, your voice isn't isn't bad. You should sing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's let's do that. So it kind of just happened organically. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as a matter of fact, my the first Broadway show I got was a show called Marilyn and American Fable. It was a very notorious flop, way 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 <laughs> back in the day. But it was the show that everyone in New York was auditioning for that wanted to get in mm-hmm. and there was always something in the papers about some kind of backstage drama that was happening with the producers and uh, all this kind of stuff but a friend of mine uh was got an audition for it and asked me if i would play his audition so i said yeah i'll do it so i did this arrangement this sort of upside down arrangement of goodbye norma jean and he wasn't a great singer but he was a really good dancer so i remember we went into the room and we did the thing, and as we're getting up and leaving, the people behind the table were like, "One minute, can you uh, turn? Can you piano player guy? Can you sing?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I think so." So they said, "Would you mind reading this down?" And they gave me. I looked at the sheet music, and the music was in C. And I said, "I can read it down if you put it in A flat," because they knew immediately it was going to be too high. So they. They uh, transposed it, and I just 
thankfully, through my Juilliard training, was able to sight read it and read it down. And this was on a Friday. And then the following Monday, they called and they said they had written me this little part oh my. in this show. <laughs> my, my friend was like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Like, you, you're my piano player and you get yeah. a part in this damn show. Yeah. That's but from that point on, I never looked back. I was like, this is totally what I want to do. I love it so much. Uh-huh. So, so some of those early performances at that point in your career, were there, were there any any uh, like stage fears or anxieties pre-show? Mm-mm. You're just confident all the way. Absolutely. You've always been like that. Yeah. Cool. Is it you? Could you think it relates to sports at all? Like just being always in that kind of mindset. It, it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing when I'm playing a match and I'm losing and I'm down. Something happens in my mind where I I don't know, it's almost like a fight or flight kind of thing. I don't know exactly what it is, but I get very, very calm. And and I would say probably eight or nine times out of 10, if I'm down in a match, I'll figure out a way to come back and, and win it. And it's this really strange, bizarre kind of tunnel vision. I have a harder time playing and holding a lead than I do from playing from, from the back, which is a very strange psychological something that I know some therapists would probably have a field day with. Hmm. But that same kind of calm that happens is the same kind of calm that I have when I'm when I'm about to do a show or go on stage. I get I get kind of itchy and a little bit anxious in the beginning. Not so much for me, but I get nervous about all the other moving parts hmm. about what they're doing, especially with my backup singers. Like I, I get anxious that they're not going to remember stuff and things like that. But you know, once we get out there and we hit the ground running, it's you know it's. That's interesting. So you're you're more concerned with other people's performances outside of yours. Is it that you think it's going to reflect on your performance negatively? No, I think maybe. I, I think what it is is that I I'm afraid uh, of 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 something goes wrong. That that's one more thing that I have to be on my toes about. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure. But I mean, you know, stuff happens all the time on, on stage and, you know, people mess up all, and get you know, all kinds of stuff goes on. And, and how you respond to that, I think, is indicative of what you really are about on stage. Same thing in tennis. It, you know, it's the exact same thing. How you play your game, I think, is a reflection of who you really are as a person. If you get volatile and crazy in type A when you're losing, then that's what you're about. And some people play better that way. Other people go the other way and can completely, like, calm down and get like a, you know, like a, almost like a robot in a way. And I'm more of that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't really, if I feel myself start to panic, something happens and my heart rate slows down and I just like take this big breath and it just kind of goes in the other thing. And it's the same thing with going on stage. Right. So do you think that that is something that can be trained? If you're doing that naturally... Um, I, I would, I'm the opposite, right? Like we were talking off air that, uh, when I am performing poorly, let's just speak about sports Mm -hmm. right here. I have the tendency to like, to get aggressive with myself, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like trying to motivate myself through anger or aggression to then better perform, but you're going the opposite route. Do you, do you feel that, that the, um, the stoic philosophy here that you're, that you're following in that situation is something that can be coached? Uh, with musicians that don't have that natural ability? I think anything can be taught like that. But I, but I want to pre- also say this, that the other way is not necessarily a bad way. There are, look, look at it, there we go, but keep going back to sports, but I look at players like McEnroe back in his day. He played his best when he was completely fired up and like a crazy person. 
right? He figured out a way through all of his madness. That was when he channeled his brilliance. Sure. Whereas the opposite of that was like someone like Bjorn Borg, who was just like a robot. You couldn't tell, you know, if, if he was thinking about what what he's going to have for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I it's it's not necessarily that one is better than the other, but uh, I, do I think that that sort of stoic way can be taught? I, I do. Mm-hmm. How it's, it's meditative, I think. How would you approach that with with um, let's just say somebody that you're mentoring in in the music world? I would probably tell them to say that the, the second that they feel themselves start to panic or get tight, to 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 breathe, like just to take your breath and take your time and not rush. Got it. That's what it is. Like I've gone on stage before. Dave knows this because he's played every one of my shows. I, I've gone on stage and I've had rehearsals where I don't, I can't remember one word in rehearsals. Like if I put in a new song and it's a lot of words, I don't know. I can don't even know what language it's in. And I'm just trying to hang on to get the lyrics out. Forget mm-hmm. about performing. I just want to be able to deliver it mm-hmm. in some crazy way or fashion. Mm-hmm. But so, when I get on stage, something happens where it it just all comes together and it's because I repetition and repetition and repetition and repetition. Mm-hmm. If it's a new song and it has a lot of words to it, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I will, I will, I'll do it 50 times in a day. So mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it. Cause I don't want to have that anxiety of I'm about to open my mouth to sing a phrase and what the fuck is the word? Right. You know, right. Well, that's the, one of the most uh, recurring themes on this show yep. is preparation, preparation is yep. over preparation or over preparation is preparation. That's yeah, right? exactly. a big proponent of that. Yeah. Big, that's what big, allows big. you to relax. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same I hate way. that feeling of going on stage and feeling unprepared. Yeah. For me, like if, if if it's my backup singers and I've rehearsed them as much as I can, if if they if they want to go on stage and feel unprepared, I have to let that go and be okay with that. I can only be responsible for what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I have great backup singers that don't like surprises either. But you know, uh, sometimes I drive the bus maybe a little a little too hard because I'm like <laughs> Okay, let's do it. And you guys kind of come up with vocal arrangements on the fly to some extent too, right? Sure. So that's, it's sure. like remembering and what were the changes and all right. that kind of well, thing. Well, I do all our vocal arrangements, but I don't write anything down. Exactly. So I'll be like this. Okay, you sing this line, you sing this line, and I'll play it out on the piano. So it tests their, uh, their powers of retention yeah. to, a, to a completely different yep. uh, degree. Uh, Marissa Roberts and Melissa Bailey have been singing the last few shows of mine now have gotten the hang of it pretty quickly you know, to not have charts. And, you know, after a while you get, you're able to sort of speak the same language, mm-hmm. but it takes a minute to get there. And do you guys, when you're doing just the vocal rehearsals before we meet with you, like, yeah. are you, is everyone recording their own parts? And uh-huh. stuff and like we've, that? Had, and we've had three months before we even get to you. Right. That's what I figured. Of yeah. rehearsing twice a week yeah. and, and, and doing all this kind of stuff. But so everyone's recording their own parts and then going and listening to it and memorizing uh-huh. and, yes, and it's all the, memorization. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, there's a theme here I'd like to go down if you're okay with it, which which is the um, you hit on that sometimes in the rehearsals it can be a little too much, meaning like you want to do it again and again and again because you're a practicer. Uh-huh. Right? I am the exact same way. Uh, how, how do you find the balance in those situations of uh, satisfying yourself with it being enough practice without um, burdening the other musicians that are like, okay, I got this? I, that's a really good question. That's a really good question because I, I can never uh, not do it enough times, Same. but I but I recognize that other people <laughs> want to kill me. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough one. I think here's what I here's what I really think. What makes a great musical director is the ability to say say what he wants in eighteen different ways. 
Do you, do you know what I mean? Like someone yes. could say someone yes. could say something a certain way. Like I'll, I'll bring it to choreography. I could say move to your left, and and someone will think they're moving to their left. But I'll say move downstage, and you know I could say it upside down in a different way, and suddenly he'll hear it. But it's the same note, just using different language. Mm-hmm. So I I I can see sometimes when people aren't connecting with what I'm saying. So I have to figure out a way to make make what make it is make it clear to them what it is that I need from them in a way that they understand. And and you know what you might hear and what you might hear might be two completely different things, even though I'm saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how can how can uh, personalities like this uh, work on cultivating that ability to get what they want um, and still be cool with everybody else? How how what is the process that you've used or learned to to kind of know for yourself? This is my this is how I do it, and and we're right. good. Okay. I, 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 okay. The, the main thing is that I try and keep it really fun. Okay. And I try and keep it go. fun and I really try and make it feel collaborative. Mm-hmm. I think people bring their best to the table when they feel like they've had a hand in its creation. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big proponent of asking people's opinions. Does this part feel right for you? Do you, do you understand it? Um, do you have a better idea? Let's try, let's try it your way and see what you think about this. You know, it's it's if if you are bringing your creative self to the table, also besides just being a hired hand who say sing, sing you know sing your part. I don't want anybody to just feel like a, you know, here's your part, sing your part. You know, put put you on want a nice them to be dress part of the ensemble. Yeah, I mean, everybody, yeah. we've all we're all creating this whatever this thing is. We're all creating it together. Just because I'm sitting at the piano you know, giving you the notes doesn't mean that you can't say, let's phrase it this way instead. Or what if I sang this line like this? You know, we all hear different things and I'm not the be all end all of musical ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else might have a better idea for phrasing or someone might ha- hear a riff here that I might not think about. Or or the other side of like, let's not even sing here at all. Let's give give it some breath and let you just take take the lead and, you know, have a minute of air you know, all kinds of different ideas. So it's about, to answer your question, it's about making, I think, everyone feel valid, valuable, and and par- participatory. And you're doing this in every repetition uh, during the rehearsal. Oh, sure. Yeah. You were going to jump in there? That, well, I was just going to say, that's what also makes it so crucial to have the right combination of people and the right chemistry. Because if you were just handing out music and like, here's your part, play it, a lot of people could do that, but when you're really right. um, inserting people's own musical voice and personality and creativity, it really is hugely important who you have in the right spots. And then there's that question, because that's that's a completely other ball of wax. When you have people and the chemistry is not good, you know, and 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 yet they're still doing an incredible job. Right. It's not that they're bad. Ugh. Some. Do you know what I mean? It's not like sometimes. It's just the if if we're not getting along or if we're not like minded, is that enough? Even though you're delivering the thing, is that enough? It might be okay for a show, but when you're thinking about the big picture of it, you know, is this somebody that I want to play with and hang with all the time? Right. I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I, no, I like definitely. I know people. Here's what I'll, I'll even take it a little step further. There's even people that are so supremely talented and so great that I've worked with that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be fantastic. But chemically, it's not good. So do, and there maybe they might even be a pain in the ass. So then, okay, so you're a pain in the ass, but you can sing your face off. 
that's not necessarily really fun for me. I'd rather have the person that wants to put in the time that can really learn, that really, really wants to be there and that doesn't uh, make the boat feel like we're lucky to have them. You right. know, we're, right. we're, we're all lucky to be together yep. to do this thing. Got it. Okay, so yeah. let me recap for our audience listening here because there's there's two really good things there. If you have the personality that wants to rehearse a lot, right, and that that makes you comfortable at the end game, the the um, the performance or the recording, whatever it is, uh, to get to that, you have to not only create a fun atmosphere to get what you want, but you have to be more than that, mindful of other people, right, and and trying to extract the joy out of other people to get only to get what you want as well, and to take it to one more level. You want to try and cultivate a team or a situation of people that are going to be open to that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you're recruiting properly to then get what you want, but the whole time you're getting what you want by um, making other people feel comfortable and good. It, it's critical to listen to how people listen, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Can you develop that? That's very cool. Do, do you know what I mean? You you have to be able to hear how how people hear what you are telling them. Observe how they interpret yeah, your statements. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Observe how they interpret your How do you do statements. that? It's just trial and error. You know, it's just, it's just you know, trying different ways. And then if they're not, if they're not getting it, I, maybe I have to back into it and try and say it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 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 let's just do it, do it like this. Like, let's just say we're singing a chord and, and the middle part is under the pitch. Uh, you know, I, I'll, rather than say you're flat, which could hurt, really hurt somebody's feelings, someone that, especially someone that's a professional singer. You know, I I'll, I might pad it by saying, uh, listen to this. I'm gonna, let's sing that chord again. I'm going to record it, and we're going to listen to it. What do you hear? And then hopefully they'll be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Then oh, that's I think that's me in the middle there. That might be a little bit under pitch. Okay, let's fix that and figure it out. So if you have to deliver a criticism, you have gotten good at doing it in a way that saves face for the person right. without embarrassing them. or Yeah, I mean, nobody like wants that. to be made to feel right. uh, singled out and, you know, like they're the, they're the problem child. Right, you know? right, right. Okay, so I definitely want to go and take tennis lessons from you because you definitely have the heart of a teacher and <laughs> I, I imagine are an amazing funny. coach because this is what... a proper coaching is right is, is figuring out how do you how do you communicate uh the message how do you get your point across to somebody you see uh, how they learn and right then however they mm-hmm. learn is what you do right so you're on the search for that and not it's not one way it's the way you, know, right. you have to find their way so what i'm curious is to how do you coach yourself right you you do a very good job of coaching other people to extract what you want but how are you coaching yourself <laughs> i don't know i really don't know I think I, I think I wish that I was nicer to myself, probably internally in my secret, secret, deep dark soul, sure, sure. than I than I than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wish I here's the, the real deep dark truth is I wish I trusted my talent a little bit more. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, you know, I I still, mm-hmm. you know, I I I it's very it's, that's a very strange thing because I'm very confident at, in one on one hand. But still, at the same time, there is that little voice that says, "Okay, someone's gonna find figure, find out. Someone's gonna figure out, you know, what's really going on here." Sure, but, you know. But that, I mean, that's you hear that uh, we talk about uh, Michael Gervais' show, uh, yeah. Finding Mastery, and yeah. he he has top performing athletes on his show, 
and many of them say the same thing. Oh, I'm really? just waiting for people to figure out that I don't really know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, so how how do you how do you combat that? Here's what it is. I I I, th- I do I do have insecurity about my bag of tricks. I wish my bag of tricks was bigger and more vast, and I definitely need to study and I need to expand myself and learn a lot more. However, I am very confident in the bag of tricks that I have. I, I know that my little my little small bag is is a very valuable bag and it has served me very well for all the stuff that I've done. Mm-hmm. But and I think that that's probably true with everyone, but that doesn't mean that there's not room to, to get a bigger bag and to learn more and, 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 you know, keep listening. That's the secret to life, man. You got to, well, I was just going to say, I think that really sums up where we all want to be. Right. I mean, you're, you're confident in what you do and you honestly, um, assess yourself in ways that you want to grow, but not in a right. detrimental, not right. in a negative way. Right. You know, Jacob Collier. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I look at if you, Jacob Collier. He, he, if you look at him, you, you want to really feel yeah. unskilled. Yeah. Watch this kid because he's he's ridiculous. He's a master. It's like totally like okay, Mozart and Walter like, Salieri. Yeah, he's you know, like a, just, he's like a mad scientist. I mean, the stuff that he yeah. can do is amazing. Now I know that I will never have that that facility that he has, but that that's not to discount, you know, the stuff that I have that you have right. that we all have. Right. You know, we mm-hmm. he's on his own thing. We're all on our own thing, which is okay. And he, he can be an inspiration. And you know, time I know that probably I can be an inspiration to someone else in another. In another way. Have you always thought so, like that, or is this just maturity that got you here? Uh, no, I think it comes with age. Okay. You know, you, you, it comes with age. It comes with experience of like doing, doing good shows, doing bad shows. Not just that, but not just shows, but in life. Mm-hmm. So if, you know? if, if, our, our, if our audience is musicians getting in or just coming out of music college or in music college, um, how can they get to where you are mentally faster? I, I would say put your ass on stage at every chance you get and listen. Here's the really, the, really the answer to that. Listen to your audience. I mean, if, if, if it's not, so, I, I'm just talking about performance, mm-hmm. you know, not, not writing songs. That's a different thing, but performance because your, your audience will never lie to you. Mm-hmm. And, and to put yourself in an in objective, in, in front of an objective crowd, like a crowd, crowds of people that don't know you. When you say listen to your audience, do you mean literally like judge their reaction to yeah. certain so, things that you're doing? Like when I do this, it gets a good response. When exactly. I do this, it doesn't land as well. Right. Like I'll, I'll sing something that I think is so fantastic in my mind. Like I'll have this idea for something that I think could be great and I'll go and I'll do it. And, and they'll just be like sitting on their hands. And I think that's really strange because in my mind, it's so terrific, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, I could be wrong or, or, or it could be a different night and a different kind of crowd, and suddenly they might really like it. Mm-hmm. So it's just learning to be sensitive to the audience. So what's your process then on filtering that feedback? If one night the people don't like it, but the next night the people like it, how do you make your decision? If if I'm confident in what I'm doing, and I really, really like the, like it, then, then I'm going to stick with it and figure out a way to make it work. Hmm. Maybe it's just not completed. Maybe it's got some rough edges. Maybe it needs more rehearsal, or it might need another component to this thing. And if you're getting one reaction one night and one reaction another night, you would need a larger sampling. You'd have to do it in front of an audience 20 times right. to get like a good average, right? I mean, because right. it be, could be certain things 
go over better in certain cities and certain cultures and all that kind of thing. Too. Right. Like um, in my last show, oh, I had this arrangement that I did of, of my ship and my little boat. My, my little boat is this Brazilian song and my ship is this old Kurt Vile standard. And I had had them together as a go together. And uh, the day before our rehearsal, I, I sang it in the thing and I just thought this is, this sucks and it's terrible. And I think it was probably just a better idea. You know, when I'm laying in bed with my insomnia at four o'clock in the morning, thinking mm -hmm. of ideas, I think it's probably just a better idea than, than it was executed. And then the next day we ran it in the room at soundcheck and it's, and it felt a little bit better. And I was about to cut it and I thought, let's just do it. Why not? You know, it's, it's, it's three and a half minutes. It's not going to kill anybody. Let's just see what happens. And it went over great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was just me twirling about it in my own mind. And, and because it was something I had never done before, I didn't know what to expect. And the only way is if you throw it up and see. And then you observe, right? And right. This is this is a theme that we had in the last conversation, mm -hmm. right? Which is um, being open to observing uh, the the space. Right. Now you're talking about uh, you're talking about an audience observing the audience. Our last guest was talking about observing the studio space and the musicians around there. But it's the same idea, which is to to improve. You have to listen and right. um, watch and just take everything in so that you have data feedback right. uh, to then go and uh, make the necessary adjustments. Right. Um, but someone that uh, is maybe a little green to this process might have a bit of an ego and going, well, my idea is great. And they have all confidence in their idea and then they try it and they don't understand why the audience doesn't like it and they're not even listening to why. Yeah. So how does someone develop the, uh, the ability to take feedback? You have to be objective with yourself. You just got to do it. One one of the things that um, I'm a big proponent of, and I hate to even say it, this sort of goes against everything, but I, I really listen to my shows. I listen to the playback of them, okay. and, I, and I try and be really r relentless and objective about about that. And I'll listen to it with my people, and I'll be like, look look how good this was. This was great here because mm -hmm. of da-da-da-da-da, and this could use a little love because of whatever this is. So let's just you know put that in your back pocket and not let that happen again if it derails a little bit. Mm -hmm. But to your other point, I wanna just say this about, we were talking about new new material and all this kind of stuff. I think like in, in this thing with the, the my ship and my little boat thing, what made me really wanna do it was because I, want, I wanted to, I, I had a story in my mind of what the arrangement was. And I knew that the story in my mind was worth telling. So. I thought if I just stick to that mm -hmm. and not think about, oh, it sounds like this or the feel is this or is it too high or am I going to remember the lyrics? If, if I just commit to telling the story of what this three and a half minute little piece is, I can't mess it up because, it, because it's something that affects me and it's something that's real to me. So it can't be wrong if I'm just going to really deliver it in an open, honest way. Focusing mm -hmm. more on the big picture. Right, right. focusing like on the, the big picture, details. which is the story. Here's the story, once upon a time, da 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 and mm -hmm. this is what happened, and that's it. And I think that that's probably why it, why it went over, because I wasn't thinking about, oh my God, what's my, my transition note between the two songs just got changed yesterday, and now it's, you know, I'm thinking about all these technical things, which was in my right pocket, but the story was in my left pocket, and if I could just stay focused on the story, mm -hmm. we'll yeah. be okay. And I think it comes back too, to who you're surrounding yourself with. Cause like for you, you know, David Arana is not going to let you go out on stage with right. an arrangement that 
he doesn't oh. think works for you or right. anything like that. You know, and you're that. getting feedback from even your internal, your core circle of people. Like you bring something in and all of, all of us in the band are like, oh, it's great. That's cool. We right. like it, you know, and you can trust that too. You and know? you can tell when the, when the band is like, kind of like, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> 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 right. So one of my favorite words to use on, uh, in this series is how, uh, so how, how does someone cultivate that, what, what you're talking about here? Oh, you mean, you mean the, you mean the, the, the confidence of just putting something new up and, or sticking to your ideas or? Being authentic with your performance. Oh. Like, you know, like you said, like, I'm going to, I believe it. I'm going, this is, I'm, I'm going to dial in with I, that and go with that. That's so. A, that's a good question. How do you develop that? How did you develop that? I think probably, oh, I, I, I would probably say this, that from the time I was a kid, I've always known that theater was about telling the truth. And, it, you know, theater takes many, many forms. If it's on a sup, stage of a supper club, that's theater. If it's on a Broadway show, that's theater, obviously. You know what I mean? So it's all about telling the truth in whatever your... Um, mode of expression is mm-hmm. and, and and not letting yourself lie about it because mm-hmm. that that the audience can really sense that mm-hmm. and if you are committed to your to, to whatever the truth is in whatever it is you're doing you you really can't be wrong right and the I think now the world that we live in honest performances in any medium are the ones that are cutting through the noise I agree and uh, so uh, people starting off, have to develop skill sets to be able to do this in, in maybe in songs that aren't theirs, you know, like, like how do you commit to the performance that you're doing? And it comes down to like the, the passion behind it, you know, and understanding what you're doing on a level that works for you. You have to be so, you have to be really, um, uh, hardline with yourself about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just make, don't do it if it's not going to mean anything to you. Like it's just, I'll take it back to tennis. Sometimes if, if, I, if I'm playing a match and I'm not moving my feet and I'm thinking, what, why did I even get out of the car? Why am I here? If I'm not going to run and if I'm not going to move my ass, I'm going to lose this match and I might as well just stay home and watch TV with a clicker, right? There's mm-hmm. no point. Same thing with, with your art. If, if, I, if I'm not going to be willing to let my, soul show to these people what's the point i'm you know i'm not going to be a human jukebox you know Mm -hmm. and especially now like live music it's it's such a rarefied thing now it seems yeah i was just thinking that the other day it it really is so anyone that gets up and actually does the thing gets gets a prize Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i would love to go out with tracks my my backup parts and tracks and all and be sound all glossy and perfect every time but but that's not it wouldn't be real it wouldn't be real and i'm I'm just all about the i don't know any other way so the 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 days that um you know you really have to work at getting at at finding the the purpose you know for the for the performance because not every day is going to be like that um, you say, I, you know, there's, I'd rather just go back inside, you know, I'm, I'm back on TV. Um, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that mindset and into the mindset of, okay, let's go. Um, or do you not, or you just go, you know what, today is just not happening. Um, it, well, you, you, it sounds to me like you're almost asking, like, if, have there been days when you've had to do a show where all you wanted to do was go back and yes. go, yeah. that happened to me at Christmas time. Uh, when we did our Christmas show, 
I uh, we were oversold, and I I, I woke up. Well, that weekend, my, my, I completely lost my voice. Like, where was just like this? Like, no, no, my chords wouldn't even meet to make sound. And I thought, okay, what is it going to look like to cancel this thing? Hmm. And I just thought, I can't. I've never canceled anything in my life. I can't. I can't do it. And the day came, and I thought, I, I went. I remember after our sound check, I went to bed at at four o'clock in the afternoon, or five o'clock in the afternoon, and stayed in bed with in the pitch dark. And didn't get up until like five o'clock the next day for sound check. Didn't make a sound and thought, okay, if I can just get my chords to meet and make some sound, I'll bullshit my way through this and we'll get through it. And luckily my chords met and I was able to make some kind of sound and it was incredibly uncomfortable, but, it, but, but we did it. And the audience had fun and, you know, the people, most people said, you know, they couldn't even tell that anything was going on. And I didn't go on stage and be like, oh, my voice, my voice, you know, mm -hmm. just. Yeah, you don't want to apologize. No, I hate that. Of course. Yeah. You just do, yeah. you do your it's thing. It's called like being a, a professional. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the only people that really knew were the people that I was bitching to, to <laughs> about. So, so mm -hmm. it was fine. So you get, you get up and do it. That's what being a professional did is. Another, we did a show one time, like you had an eye patch or something. That like, was another know, like time. A surgery. That was, and that was the thing, like you weren't going to cancel that show either. Like, right. whatever. We're gonna do it. I had, you had an eye surgery and it didn't heal in time or so something. Crazy! Right? I had yeah. yes. I'm such an idiot. I had I had LASIK surgery because I had read that they, they could fix it now for up close, so I could read the menus. You know, not have to wear reading glasses. <laughs> so I did this thing, and it was <laughs> it was fine. But the problem was I couldn't see my far away. I had my I had really great far away vision, and I couldn't see far away, but I could see up close. So I went to the doctor and I said, you have to put my old eyes back. I can't be like this. And he says, well, you sure? And I said, yes. So I go and he reverses it. Oh my. Puts it back. And now they put this, uh, this, uh, contact lens over your eye while you're, while everything heals. Now it's a contact lens. It's the size of your eyeball. It feels like there's a nacho in your eye. And, he, <laughs> and when, when the show day came was the day that they were supposed to take this contact lens out. I was so happy because now the thing is going to be out and it's on show day and we're going to be great. And uh, I go that morning, he takes the contact lens out and he says, well, listen, it's going to feel a little bit scratchy for a couple of hours, but you'll be fine. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. By four o'clock, I'll be great and we'll be in business. <laughs> I went to sound check and my, and my eye, it was like someone had put the, had kicked the entire beach in my eye of sand, oh, like that no. kind of scratchy, itchy feeling every time you blink. And my eye was just all weepy and gross and it was terrible. And I thought, I can't. I can't do this show. I mean, I, I, I was like Quasimodo. It was like that. I couldn't even open it. And at the end of the sound check, the, <laughs> the guy that runs the room says, well, I have good news and bad news. He goes, well, I go, well, give me the good news. The good news is you're oversold. The bad news is there's no room for a follow spot. And I'm like, that's the good news because a candle is burning my cornea right now. <laughs> like, if I could do the show in the dark, I would rather have it be like that. <laughs> so... I was like, I have my friend come on, get me an eye patch at Walgreens. And so I did the show with an eye patch on. And I walked out on stage and I said, well, half of you look great. <laughs> hey, we got a gig for you on this show if you want to start telling jokes like that, all right? Yeah. Oh, please. That is my show pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. So, so the, that level of professionalism up, like we get it done, no matter what it takes, you yeah. know, your I mean, show must go on. Yeah. Um, this has always been with you or 
you mean uh, what was the was the point that it changed or go no, ahead no it's that. always been like that mm-hmm. i did a show one time we did eliza show at the annenberg in palm springs and i'm not kidding you i had 103 fever and i thought the whole place was spinning around and i thought all i need to do is stay on my feet all i have to do is not fall over well <laughs> that's it but you did it i did it yep. you just there do you it go. that's what it is what about people that that uh, succumb to the fear of the situation or the anxiety of the situation, and then they just bail? How, how do how do they not do that? You mean stage fright? Well, I mean, like if you know, obviously, there, you've been in these these pressing situations where you could have very easily just canceled the gig, and you had legitimate excuses. But you you go on with it, mm-hmm. right, for the betterment of the whole. Um, but people that succumb to that situation, right, and go, I'm not doing it, you know, I'm, I'm, so how can they get from that mindset to where you're at? That's a good question. Here's what I know about that. The beauty of performing live is not to me in whatever the idea of perfection is, right? So I, I think, I, I, I was aware in both of those instances that they were going to see something that was never going to happen again, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. <laughs> I knew that I was going to present something that was going to be something hopefully worth remembering. Mm-hmm. That seemed like enough to me. So you're not attaching it to an ideal of right. a standard of perfection. You're attaching it to... The They're experience. gonna have an experience, right? You can walk I, away and go. I'm exactly. glad I was here. I had an experience. I could have gone out yeah. and sung, you know, a, a perfectly clean show or a reasonably clean show, depending. But that happens all the time, right? There's no and, magic, and, or, and, and there's that's, no uniqueness. Got, I'm, that sounds very sort of um, no, but you're self-serving. But you know what I mean. I could have sung a, a standard clean show. You're saying there's nothing unique or memorable about that, right? Oh, oh, in and of oh, itself, right? I, no. I, Mm-hmm. But I knew that they were going to be seeing something different, and it and it worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tested me in a different way, but I like a challenge. Yeah, can we talk about your your pre show rituals? Like, how do you how do you um, not rehearsals, but like you know the the hour before your show? What do you do? Um, I just drill and drill and drill and even to that point. Yeah. I try and stay Mm -hmm. really quiet. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to, I try and make myself remember my talking points, Mm -hmm. like what, what I'm going to talk about when, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's just nothing really. I just sit there and, you know, I talk to the girls that I'm singing with and that's it. We just do our thing. Mm-hmm. Because by that point, the mm-hmm. the rehearsing has been done. You're confident. You're ready to go. The ship has sailed, and there you go. Yeah, and we're going to get what we're going to get. So let's commit to the moment and make right. it amazing. Exactly. Um, is is there ever any any uh, anxieties at all? I know you said that you're you know you're good with performing and anything like that. But is it always a relaxed situation for you? Yes. Great. You know, I'll I'll have I'll have anxiety about anything like and if we're putting in something completely new. Mm-hmm. That that kind of makes me anxious, mm-hmm. but um, you know that's it. I mean, you know, on Broadway, you, you know, we uh, that, that show in Maryland I was telling you about, we were getting new pages the days and have to perform them that night. Mm-hmm. New pages. I remember one time we were on a set piece uh, with the show was in such was so much turmoil at the point at that time that we were on a set piece rolling out one matinee. And I said to somebody, did you get the new pages? And they were like, what new pages? Oh. And the thing opens up. And I was like, just kidding. 
That's awesome. So how, how do you handle that? Like, 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 how, how, <laughs> I guess, it, I guess it's, it's, it comes from those situations, you know, being there and just, sure. okay, here we are, we're thrown in the fire and, and let's go. Yeah. But like when, when you were about to put in new material in, in your set and, uh, you know, that's the time you feel a, a little bit of uh, shakes there. Yeah. How do you handle it? I have to think about, uh, I, I have to think about what it is I'm trying to communicate in that song, why I picked that song, and just think of the story. The why. Okay. The why of cool. it. It gets my mind off the panic of this verse goes here, or the second verse is there, and what's the word here? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't like to think technically like that mm -hmm. when I'm on stage. I like to try and let all that crap go and just try and let it let it flow as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And if I can just tunnel in on, on the story, like if it's a song that has a lot of verses... I'll tell myself the verses are written in that order for a reason. Mm -hmm. because the, Which is still relating it back to the story. Right, because yeah. it's this this happened, then this happened, then right, this right. happened. So if you, if you reverse them, then that changes the outcome of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I just go chronologically about what it is I'm trying to say, then we're, we're going to be okay. Cool. And now to, to that you know, preparation stuff... Um, how do you prepare before the rehearsals? What's your, what is your process? I mean, obviously it's repetition, repetition, but what is your overall approach to preparing for a show? Um, if I get enough ideas, like it's right now, it's I'm in a funny spot because we we have a, a, a lot of material. And if I, if I do a bunch of new stuff, people now will say, what about this one? Or what about that one? You didn't do this song or you didn't do that song. So I'm just kind of now a place where people are wanting to hear a lot of the same stuff. If I if I get enough ideas for new material, then I'll just rehearse them at home on the piano and try and conceptualize the feel or you know the the vibe of what whatever the the, the piece is, mm. and then and then I'll try it out with the girls, mm -hmm. and you can tell pretty quickly if it's going to happen organically or not. Mm -hmm. Can we switch gears for one second? Yes, and just talk Liza Minnelli for one second. <laughs> Because you told me a story one time that I want you to tell. Oh. About when the, it relates to you being nervous. Uh huh. Right. And uh, before, was it before the Live at the Palace DVD yeah, or no. something? Or what? Oh, I know what story you're talking about. Uh, oh, this is the, okay. I think this will be great for people to hear. I took a lot, I, I got a lot out of that. And I did? applied that to my life and learned a lot from it. So, okay. Well, um, when, uh, I'll see how far back to take this, I guess. Uh, the my, the first tour that I did with her was in the late in the late 90s and she had asked me to put together a, vo a male vocal trio to go on the road with her to back her and then we would sing a couple of songs by ourselves while she changed clothes and then she'd come back out again and she was very uh smart about the way she blocked out the show because she knew that the audience is there to see her not to see these three guys so rather than have us open for her and have the audience be going, Liza, Liza, she put us in the middle of the show. So we would, the four of us would sing together, then she would leave, and then the three of us would do our little dog and pony show, and then we'd bring her out. So the very first show, I will never forget it. I, it, was the kind of, it was the kind of nerves where you're making all kinds of irrational promises to God. You know, where, you know, you're thinking like, I promise I'll, do, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that, I, you know, I'll, I'll help the old lady across the street <laughs> every single time, <laughs> you know, every, anything. And you know, it was, and it, we had a 13-piece orchestra with horns and strings, and it was massive. 
And our our first show was in, uh, I think it was Foxwoods Casino, it might have been. And we're all, uh, she she did the first like 20 minutes and then she uh, left the stage and then we were, the four of us gonna, uh, we were getting ready to, she, she goes out and then we come out after her. And as she's getting ready to go out, she grabbed me and she looked at me and said, okay, baby, this is it. Take no prisoners and fuck the wounded. And out she went. And I just thought, oh my God, take no prisoners and fuck the wounded. Okay. Okay. But that's and, it in a nutshell. And that's, that's it, it in a nutshell. And that's we went it. out on stage and this wow. person that was sort of like my friend suddenly was this complete other energy on yeah. stage. Yep. A complete other energy. And I saw, it was like just the, a wave of this complete different dynamic on stage in front of 3,000 people. Because you're saying that's because she worked herself into that headspace. Into this headspace. And then walk out on stage. And then now you're out, now you're out on stage yep. in the tidal wave. Yep. And you can either be a part of the tidal wave or it can swallow you whole. Right, exactly. so you commit to the success of and it. And you yep. learn in about 10 seconds. Yep. Wow. Immediately. Wow. If you can hang or not. Wow, that's that's yeah. isn't that awesome? Yeah, that and that's no, what no it was. Doubt. And now, and 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 you know, now hundreds of shows later, I think I really, um, it, it's in my bloodstream now. But what, what uh, I just remember was it like your first gig with her? It was the there, very first show with her. It yeah, it was the very first show. So, and I was a wreck because I, you know, I, I had eighteen cents in my nervous. wallet. Yeah, and you know, and and she was like, "Come on, we're going to go all around the world, and I, I'm going to feed you good food, and you're going to be able to pay your rent. Yeah, and you can pick whatever you want to sing." And I was like, okay, and, and you, you can do all the like arrangements. She saw you and she could tell that you were nervous and she oh, God. gave that to you. Because like, because here's what, because like how we talked at the top of this, I got very quiet and very calm and very silent. And she's the absolute opposite. <laughs> she's like, like gets wound up like that. She gets yeah. like that. And I'm the total opposite. So she was like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, take no prisoners, fuck the wounded. I was like, okay. Okay, don't worry, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> and then you know, yeah. you hit the ground running. Like the second you put your foot out there, you're like yep. So you made that commitment right in that moment, and it was from there it's fine. I just decided. And she said it to my two boys, to the two guys that I was working with too. And I remember thinking with them, it's re it really is every man for himself, even though we're all together and we're all looking at each other and watching each other for cutoffs. I'm aware of you and I'm aware of you. But, and I'm also aware of my physical spacing, and I'm also aware that we've, we have to put it out there. So let's just do that. Would it, every man for himself, meaning that, do you mean like in terms of being responsible for your own performance? That's exactly right. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Right. And, and, that, and that's how it was with her. Like she, we went out there and she looked at us and she connected with us, but then she would leave and go off and do her own thing. And we'd be like, okay, just looking at her, trying to stay focused on her. Because mm -hmm. I, I knew if we just look at her all the time, we will be okay. And then, and then, because you're there also to support her. So anytime she looks at you and sees that we're looking at her, giving her energy, then that's mm -hmm. a great thing. Mm -hmm. And then when she leaves the stage and leaves us to do our own thing, then we can, you know, work on bring bring the audience out more. But let me tell you something. You talk about singing for your life. That's exactly what that was. It's like you know, she's this incredible. 
iconic, dynamic entertainer, and she's now leaving you on stage just like first day of school, of nursery school, and you're and all you want to do is go home. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like you have to get on the bus, and yeah. you got to go, and you got to do it. So Daddy's got to swim. Was, was, there a, <laughs> was there a big mental shift in in that moment of the show in, from the standpoint of uh, supporting her versus yes. now, I mean, in terms of how you're like delivering and how you're yes. thinking of it and all that. Yes. Very Be- interesting. Yes. Because I, uh, I was afraid. I, I don't want to even say I, I was afraid that the energy was going to go down a lot once uh-huh. we start singing because the audience isn't there to see us. They're there to right. see her. So I did arrangements that were so athletic and so um, busy that it just kept the audience like this the, the whole time. Mm, but we did th- mm-hmm. we did three songs, and, and we brought it down for the second song, calm and quiet, and they they liked it. And then we did this gigantic arrangement of I think it was stormy weather at the end. And then we brought her back with she brought us out uh, with thank heaven for little boys from Gigi. And then, uh, thank heaven for little boys, for little boys get bigger every day. And then we would sing at the end, thank heaven for little girls, for little girls get bigger every day, and then bring her back out like that. So it was oh, a perfect cool. little, like a little tie-in. bookend there. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So wh- what did you? T- what was the biggest thing you took out of that situation besides just stepping in and going um, that you you now use for your own projects? Yeah. Um, I think. The most invaluable thing about that time and performing with her that that taught me the most is that it gave me an immeasurable amount of confidence that in 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 that I can actually hold the room and I, I can actually do it. Like we did after the tour was over with her, we did symphony dates, the trio for fifteen thousand people. We did the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and we did Pacific Symphony Orchestra and and completely had had them. With you're with, saying you did this without Liza, without just her, just the trio, just the, the oh, Cortez cool. and the trio. Yeah, we did. Wow, we had we had 20 minutes of symphony charts. So if anybody knows any wow. um, conductors that need a trio, but uh, <laughs> I actually <laughs> but, do. Uh, we can talk. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, so it gave me the confidence to to really uh, to know that I'm uh, you know I, I shouldn't I shouldn't give this up and go be a tennis teacher at you know studio city golf and tennis for the rest of my life mm-hmm. so what about besides i mean that is like the meta thing but like like are there any like um micro lessons that you learned that you use uh in your either your rehearsals or your performances or dealing with your band uh maybe subconsciously like she she treats her orchestra beautifully and she makes everyone feel val valued and and valuable and she's got a great sense of humor and she she uh she makes everyone on her team feel included yeah and that that's which is what you've talked about earlier that's it so maybe i maybe i subconsciously learned it learned it from her that way one time i got to work with her through you she i just i'll never forget we it was just the one gig but she sat and had dinner with us in the band dressing. Oh, you know, that's like right. I zero you, diva. You play stuff. that show with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. And okay. I just like she was hilarious, mm-hmm. and cool to be around, and yeah, it's the way to be. 
It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, she she we did a show at the at uh, the Federal. Yeah. She had just had she had back surgery a couple of weeks before, and she wanted to sing in my show. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we didn't even announce it. We just said, and here's a friend of mine. <laughs> And just brought her up on stage. We didn't know if she was going to actually make it or not, yeah. but she came to the rehearsals, came to the sound check, and uh, was adorable. Yeah, I remember David Arana told his wife, like, we have to clean the bathroom because Liza Minnelli's coming over today. She's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's shift uh, and and uh, uh, bring the boat close to the dock here. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm curious to ask this question um, because of your your coaching, you know, and and what you do, and I mean everything that we've talked about here today. It's just it's been really great. So, if you were coaching an artist or a musician uh, fresh into the industry here, what are two or three points that you really want them to know? I would I would I would say to them. Uh, well, I guess it depends on who it is. Like if it, let's just say this, if it was someone, it depends on what they can do. Like I, you, you want, you want the person to do the thing that they do the best that they can. So I would probably say to them, try and keep them focused on what that is and, 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 you know, keep it fun and light and don't put pressure on yourself. I think that's the hardest thing. I'm, I was a songwriter, the laziest songwriter in the world. And every single day I think to myself, I really should sit down at the piano and write something, but I just, you know, if, if it's not there, it's just not there. But you know, when they, when they do come, it's, it's great, but they are not frequent, but then I had to sort of make peace with myself and say, well, that's okay. Cause when they do come, they count. So let's just be nice to yourself and be nice to yourself. Yeah. yeah don't be pressured. Okay, cool. And what kind of projects do you have coming up or where can people find you? Oh, I don't know yet. Oh, we, we're talking about um, maybe going to Vibrato. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't know about Christmas time. Maybe Christmas time. I definitely want to do this um, this show in March. I, I, it sounds sort of cheesy now, but I think it could be real. In my mind, it's really cool. I want to do stuff all 60s music. But like, if you've, if you've ever been to one of my shows, you'll see that one of the things I love to do is I love to um, sort of, I don't know for a better word, like reinvent songs and or or or, in a in a in a newer newer kind of way like take take standards that or or songs that people know and then they don't know that they know it until sure they're in the middle they're Mm -hmm. like oh my god that's that or whatever it is so i think that could be a a fun idea i've also an idea for um, my next cd which could happen soon so you know there's some there's some stuff down the pike and And like for people in the la area we always do one or two christmas shows yeah now lately a spring show mm-hmm. and then like maybe a summer show maybe a summer show yeah so there's always opportunities for people to come yeah come and out. where can people find you online we've been uh, cortezalexander.com and then my cd uh, swell is also on itunes and all uh internet retail outlets <laughs> <laughs> any social media handles you want to throw us uh tezzy i'm uh, yeah i'm on instagram cortez alexander tezzy 73 t-e-z-z-i-e 73 and then also on facebook you can find me there too Perfect. And then, Dave, anything you want to uh, you want to close with here? Uh, thanks for coming, man. Thank you. Matt Immersion says great. hello, by the way. Oh, right on. Yeah. Tell him hi for me. All right. Uh, well, super fun. All this right, is really this fun. is this has been great, right? Like awesome yeah. vibes and good energy. And I, I think, hope that I answered everything. Uh, I think I, everything you, was great. Did you? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I think the audience is going to get a lot from it. And I yeah. advise uh, you guys listening to go back and listen again. This is going to uh, be one that I go back and listen to actually. Y- 
because there were things you said a few things that are great I'm gonna yeah go back no and like, doubt and it was, it was, notes, oh, it was the eye patch right when all else fails wear the eye patch it'll give you magical powers but thanks again for being on the show oh, and then you. all you listening well, uh, go I, back and listen uh, okay, again so but yeah Dave go about eye patch, okay, yeah. okay. I'm gonna end us with a joke okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right you're in for a bonus joke from <laughs> Dave bonus today joke. this is a two for today Ooh, no. <laughs> where does Captain Hook buy his hooks from oh god where where does Captain Hook buy his hooks from the secondhand store. <laughs> Very good. It's my only eye patch related humor. So. I like it. Oh. I'm going to appropriate that for Patter now. <laughs> and go. with that, we wish you farewell. <laughs> <laughs>